is Ronaldo. Oh, my goodness. You don't save those. Out of this world. Messi. 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 From the international stage to right here at home, this is FUVFC, talking all things soccer on WFUV Sports. It is another installment of FUVFC here on Friday, July 22nd, and we have been gone for a minute, boys, but we are now back, breaking down all the transfer rumors that have since been confirmed, as this summer window has proven to be very lively. In that mix, we talk about maybe a goalkeeping solution for the U.S. men's national team with Zach Steffen on the move, what Premier League sides got better with the rotation of some guys hopping from squad to squad within the Prem, and then we can conclude today's episode finally to get into Michael Hernandez's favorite topic, the Hudson River Derby, in which Nick was on site to witness the thrashing of New York Red Bulls at the hand of NYCFC. It is Keenan Troy, it is Nick Guzman, it is Michael Hernandez. Gentlemen, it has been a while since we've done one of these. We said every other week we added an extra week on because we can. How are we doing? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, it has been a while, but you know, in the summer there's not any international tournaments going on. It's just transfer rumors, some MLS, some transfer action, and now some preseason friendlies that everyone loves to overreact to. We saw Minnesota United thrash Everton 4-0. We saw Charlotte beat Chelsea 1-1 and then beat them on penalties. That horrible miss by Connor Gallagher. But we're close to some real soccer starting again. You know, I love the MLS, but we're close to the European League starting again. And then no time it's the World Cup. So it's kind of the calm before the storm right now. But I'm, I'm doing good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, I'm also doing great. Uh, you know, ha- happy that we've. Uh, uh, I'm just, I'm just happy that we're back uh, for another episode. Just sorry about that. Um, my dog decided to bark. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I lost my train of thought. Uh, what was it? Uh, yeah, I'm just happy to be uh, talking about some soccer. Um, obviously, you know, right now the only thing happening, as Nick said is the MLS and some friendlies, but uh, in a little bit, uh, you know, the Prem is going to be back and I can't wait to, and I can't wait to see what's going to happen in the remaining uh, weeks of the transfer window. Well, yeah, you boys touched on it. There have been the international friendlies in which the MLS bears witness to how far off they are from competitive soccer as third stringers from either side come out and do what they do best. We saw a new look Barcelona, with no Robert Lewandowski, which we will get into in a second, takedown Inter Miami handily. DC United stood no chance against a retooled Bayern Munich. 
in which Sadio Mane got his first goal, and then Everton proving that they are somehow still in the Premier League but shouldn't be by getting beaten by uh, an abysmal Minnesota United side. Up the loons. I wish James Burley was here to tell us how the MLS isn't that far off, but he's not. But gentlemen, yeah, those international friendlies that see, you know, Europe's greatest come over and take on Miami's greatest, if Miami's greatest. But we didn't see Robert Lewandowski in that match against Inter-Miami. But he did shock the world when he decided to move on from Bayern Munich and German football, for that matter, which he's played all of his professional football in. Since 2013, he made that move from Dortmund over to over to Munich and has since been arguably the best player in soccer since that move. We think back to when he was screwed out of the Ballon d'Or a couple years ago. His five goals in 19 minutes or however quick it was. I think there's two questions that emerge when we look at this move from Lewandowski. Was one, is there something to say be said about Bayern's culture in the sense that maybe you don't feel like you're playing for enough, or maybe there's questions of leadership at the top? Because it was clear that Lewandowski had some issues with how the club's direction was taking shape. And second, and more important, is how is Barcelona going to be able to pay him? Because this is a club whose source of revenue while still you know, exceptionally great. It's a club that was almost in financial ruin you know, six months ago. How are they shelling out for one of the biggest transfers of the, of the 2020s decade? How are they doing that when they've got no money in the bank account? Yeah, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to understand Barcelona's finances or how they're doing any of this. I just know that it's a little bit, sketchy when a year ago you're talking about how as a club you have no money whatsoever and now it seems like you're conducting more business than anyone you know you've got Lewandowski coming in some free transfers Andres Christensen Frank Kessie Rafinha from Leeds coming in for over 60 million and really just retooling the side you know, from what I understand, it seems like they're almost like betting their future revenue up to 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 pay for the players now, which, you know, I I think for Barcelona and for Lewandowski, his his moving to Barca, I think it's it's just a thing about wanting a new challenge, and um, I think Lewandowski is a player who at when you're at that sort of level, it's at, at the level that he's at at Bayern Munich, it's the kind of thing where you've achieved all that you can achieve with Bayern. You've won Champions League. You've won you've won Bundesliga titles. At at some point, you know, as as an ambitious player, just a new challenge is sort of what you need. I think, I think Barcelona. I I don't know how I feel about the retooling right now. I think they're going to be better than they were last year, but there are I think still holes in the side. But when you when you add a world class striker, it's 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 never a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, I I completely agree uh, with what you said, Nick. I mean, obviously, it is strange how they're you know affording all this, but I believe they pulled some financial levers a while back, so that's freeing up some cash for now. Um, but I mean, a, as for the signing itself, I, I think it's a great signing. 
um, you know, like, as you said, they're definitely, you know, uh, rebuilding uh, and, 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 you know, I'd say that they are a bit of a threat. I, I don't want to say the Champions League just yet, because I feel like give them time, but I think for La Liga, they are, they are a lot closer this year than, than they would ever be uh, last year, I'd say. Yeah, I think when we saw them retool during last week's winter, last year's winter window, excuse me, and bringing, bringing out Bumiang, I think we saw Alba, as who did perform exceptionally well during his half season at Barcelona. I think we saw him as kind of bridging that gap, and that's what a lot of those players that they brought in during the winter were for, was to keep Barcelona from becoming an utter embarrassment. And now I think we see through that Lewandowski signing, namely that Xavi is saying, you know, this is still Barcelona and we're still going to push as hard as we push in order to, you know, get either to the top of La Liga, to the top of Europe, wherever they're playing. I think Xavi is clearly saying with the signing of Lewandowski that this lull that we see in Barcelona isn't going to last for long. Staying with the transfer news, though, there's a ton of other ones going through, such as Matthias De Ligt moving over to Bayern Munich at center back. If you saw his goal against Inter-Miami, it was a wonderful half volley off a corner, showing the quality that they got in his new center back, as well as Raheem Sterling officially completing his move to Chelsea. In the friendly I watched, Sterling looked to be exactly what Chelsea need because Let's be honest, Nick is a Chelsea fan. As good as their front three is or any combination of players they have moving forward, it always seems to be a step behind when it terms comes to creating, you know, separation in 1v1s or, you know, individual inspiration down the wing. It doesn't seem like Kai Havertz will ever play that style of football. Same to maybe Timo Werner, which is a little disappointing. Christian Pulisic shows flashes, but as much as we love him for the States, there's you know, a lot left to be asked for at the club level. What do you make of the Sterling signing? I think we should start there. And then, Michael, if you want to talk about Sterling, be my guest. If there's any other you know, signings that caught your eye, you know, maybe for us at Liverpool, there was all that concern over Nunes in his first debut, and then he goes out and bags four yesterday. So, Nick, we'll start with you with Raheem Sterling. Good signing for Chelsea, or is it going to be one of those moves that – he's going to have to conform the way he plays to Tuchel's system. I think it's a good signing because it's a more proven player than Chelsea have, have signed in a while. You could talk maybe Lukaku who's a proven player, but besides that, you know, it's it recently it's been bringing in attackers like Kai Havertz and, and Timo Werner who who've done in the Bundesliga, but haven't really proven in the premier league. And when you bring in somebody like Sterling, who is a proven premier league goal scorer, a proven, very solid Premier League attacking player for Manchester City and for Liverpool before that. You just think about how dysfunctional this Chelsea team looks a lot of the time going forward, whatever combination of three players you want to throw out there, whether it's Pulisic, Havertz, and, and Mount being pushed to the wing, or, or Ziyech in there, or anybody. It, it never seems to click fully. It'll click for a game or two, and then all of a sudden it won't click, and you have to try a new combination. And then Chelsea finished third way off the pace because their attack just can't keep up with, with Liverpool and Man City. I don't know if just Raheem Sterling is enough to, to sort of 
bridge that gap, especially considering what Liverpool have done bringing in Darwin Nunez, what City have done bringing in Holland and other players. It, I don't know if it's enough to bridge the gap, but I think it gets, I think it gets them closer. And the other transfer, I, the Delic transfer, also to Bayern Munich, is something I wanted to touch on because, you know, that's a that's a player who, after 2019 you know, in the Ajax Champions League run to the semifinals, it looked like that's a guy who's going to conquer the world as a center back. And he moves to Juventus, and I wouldn't say he stagnates, but he stagnates a little bit. He, his, his growth maybe and his traject, career trajectory doesn't go exactly the same way. He doesn't pl- – he plays well for Juventus at points, but it's a Juventus team that struggles at times. And I think this is the next logical step you know, especially considering where Juventus are now as a club to move to Bayern. But hopefully for him, he'll want to get back on that trajectory that's that's possibly, you know, pointing towards one of the best center backs in the world, which is what people thought he was going to be after the 2018-19 season, making that move to Juventus after captaining Ajax in 19. But, you know, back to Chelsea, there's more rumors about about players like, like Jules Koundé and, you know, it seemed like he was going to go to Chelsea. Then it seemed like he was going to go to Barcelona. Now it seems like Chelsea again. And it seems like that's pretty close. That'd be a deal that I really would want to see go through. I feel like he's a perfect sort of replacement at center back for, for you know, you have now have holes with Christensen gone and Antonio Rudiger going. Kunde is a great young center back that could be here for a long time. And I think it just fills, you know, the obvious, the obvious void that's been left by, by the exits of Rudiger and Christensen. Um, so first, uh, I am going to mention the Nunez for goals, Keenan, uh, as he said, uh, you know, a, a little bit worried before then, but now I'm feeling a lot better about our new signing. But um, one transfer that I, I say caught my eye or surprised me was Dybala to Roma. I, I didn't expect that. Uh, of course, he was leaving Juve on a free transfer. But um, I, I honestly, I, I didn't know which team he was going to join, but uh, I found it as a bit of a shock when he joined Roma. But, uh, you know, uh, as we know, uh, Mourinho's there. They've just won the European Conference League. So, you know, uh, Mourinho definitely has a project there, uh, and he's definitely getting the players that he wants right now. So it's going to be interesting to see how um, how he performs uh, in the new season. But one more transfer that uh, I was actually talking to Keenan before the show, uh, Jesse Lingard, Lingard to, uh, I think it was Nottingham Forest. It, it's, a, it's a one-year deal. But the and I'm not sure if this part's true, but the rumor is that he's being paid like two hundred thousand pounds a week. I'm not sure if that's true, but if that is, that puts him in like the top fifteen players in the prem. If that's true, I I don't understand how on earth he's being paid that much money. Like like let's be honest, you know, on his day Lingard is good, but I don't understand how how he was able to get that much money, you know, as a salary. I I find that insane. Yeah, with uh, Jay Lings um, going over to Nottingham, I think it emphasizes how much more parity we're starting to see in the Prem in terms of, you know, we saw Leeds, obviously, with Jesse March at Aronson and Adams, which, I mean, I guess because we have that American bias, we think they're incredible signings. But still, it's two, you know, established Champions League players, you know, maybe not top class Champions League players, but players that play in the Champions League in Europe going to a bottom bottom half of the table team in the Prem. 
or you know now we see newly promoted Nottingham Forest going out and signing Lingard, who, when all is said and done, has had flashes of his old self, and now you know you start to wonder is he going to return to that form, especially when he's been thrust into a Nottingham Forest side that you know is going to do everything in their power to not spoil the opportunity of getting promoted for the first time in quite some time. Looking more at this transfer cycle, I got we got to be honest here, guys. Man United stagnant, relatively. Everyone else seeming in the Premier League. You know, you look at Spurs, who's added six. Look at Liverpool, who's had a quieter window in terms of top class signings, but still has made made four signings that will directly go into their top side. And then. You look at City, who at Holland, who just make them 10 times better. And then there's absolutely nothing coming out of Manchester United. With all the craziness that there's been at United these past couple of years with managers in and out, club seemingly in new direction. Michael, we'll start with you. Should we be wary that United hasn't made a single transfer? There was obviously the news and rumors of, you know, Will Ronaldo leave? Right now it doesn't seem to be, but there was for a minute there that he was linked to Chelsea. Also, you know, Pogba is leaving the club. Might be going back to Juve if he hasn't already made his move back to Juve. You got to ask, though, you know, United from, by at least my calculations, this is a window in which it seemed that maybe they would try and push the pace and get some guys with, you know, into that club that could be immediate impacts just because we know the playing style that this club is going for. And it's hard to imagine that Bruno Fernandez and, you know, Scott McTominay are going to be the guys to push, you know, push that forward. But as we see it right now on July 22nd, those are going to be the guys on, you know, Premier League kickoff, which is only in two weeks. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this isn't the window that the fans wanted. I mean, obviously, they're still trying to get uh, uh, a De Jong from Barcelona. But, you know, the whole thing that's going on there, apparently, you know, De Jong doesn't want to join. Uh, so that's a whole saga right there. But, I mean, yeah, like, apart from that, I know that they've signed one player, I want to say, uh, or, or one or two. But, you know, the, the fact that they're not big names... Uh, you know, uh, and especially with, with the new coach, with Ten Hag, you know, I feel like a lot of us were expecting uh, them to go big, you know, uh, to get their players to retool and, and, and to come back uh, for the season, you know, stronger. But um, the fact that they haven't shown any ambition or, you know, or have any uh, to show any progress is kind of uh, is kind of worrying because, you know, it's all nice having a new coach and you get that new, you know, oh, we're going to do great this season. But if if he doesn't get the players that he wants, it's just not going to work out. Uh, and, and, and you know, as you said, uh, there were rumors that Ronaldo wanted to leave, and I think one of the rumors that apparently was given was that they're not showing any ambition to the club. And and from that perspective, he's right because they haven't signed anyone big. You know, they were going to go for De Jong, but you know that that's still going on. So as of right now, you know, that starting eleven probably will be what we saw last year. You know, Fred and uh, and McTominay. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how it is. Um, but, uh, you know, the window isn't over yet, so they might, you know, surprise us all. But, um, you know, with the season rapidly coming to us, I, I don't think that much is going to happen. 
Yeah, there's there's rumors of of Ten Hag bringing in some of his Ajax boys, whether it's Lisandro Martinez at center back or, or Anthony, the winger. But really, it's just been Christian Eriksen on a free transfer, and that's been about it for for Manchester United. And when you see your your crosstown rival Man City bringing in Erling Holland, bringing in Calvin Phillips, looking for another fullback in Cucurella from Brighton just looking to improve the squad depth anywhere they can. You look at Liverpool, you know, they lose, they lose Mane, but they bring in a younger player. They think it'd be a younger version of Mane in, in Darwin Nunez and Chelsea bringing Raheem Sterling and looking, being linked to Jules Koundé at center back. And that looks like that's going to go through even Tottenham being very active in the transfer window. It seems like our, every other team in the top six, Arsenal bringing in Jesus it it's just and Zinchenko. It just seems like every other team is doing more than United right now. And I don't know how you can as a club sit idly by as everyone around you improves after the season that you just had and not really take, you know you know, take take the reins and really and really make a big splash. I think they're gonna make a splash before the season starts. I don't know who it'll be. I think it might even be a sort of panic move that we see all the time where, you know, you're just worried about backlash from the fans. So you, so you shell out the money for a player that maybe doesn't deserve it. And he doesn't pan out. We've seen it a lot. I think, I think just United need a big splash. They need two big splashes because right now the squad is looking very similar to what it was last year. And that's a side that finished, you know, outside the Champions League places, outside the Europa League places, in the Conference League spots. And it it just, it, it's a side that, that needs improving. And as of right now, it just has not been improved at all. Yeah, and I think, you know, for United too, because something that I forgot and I just double-checked right now is the Premier League is starting, obviously, insanely early this year because of the big international break that's going to occur midway through for the World Cup. The Premier League kickoff is on August 5th, which is in two weeks from yesterday. So we talk about them needing to make a splash. Well, for all of European soccer, the window has you know shrunk exponentially because of the World Cup requiring everything to start sooner. And I think for United, I will say the one perhaps, you know, I don't want to say per, I, I guess I'm trying to say is that maybe the reason they're so hesitant to act now is because they know that the squad rebuild that Ten Hag wants to do, that's not a one window type of market acquisition. You can't, you know, look at say summer 2022 and say, okay, now that, Ten Hag is at the wheel. He's going to go get his players and will immediately be better. I think, you know, the core of that team is still rotted. So the only way they're going to get better is if he builds them over time. So perhaps maybe he came to an agreement with the board, just speculating here that he's going to see what he can get out of the existing players at that club before he decides to make any moves. Because, you know, with between, you know, Louis Van Al to Mourinho to Ole, it was just a, to even Ragnick, it was a constant shuffle of 
let's let a new manager take over and he bring in every player that he wants. And then you've got a ton of dead weight, like Juan Mata, who was on a contract forever when he probably shouldn't have deserved one. So same with a guy like Nemanja Matic, who as good as he was for your Chelsea Blues, Nick, he was lackadaisical at best at center defensive mid in, you know, a 2021 Premier League game. So I think, you know, maybe the board of directors at United are saying, Ten Hag, you see what you can get out of the guys we have right now. And maybe he finds five or six that can play soccer the way he wants to play it. And then he can start doing a rehaul of new guys in, old guys out, and try and get that club in the right direction. To end today, though, boys, Nick, we were fortunate enough to watch the great NYCFC take down New York Red Bulls last Sunday, 1-0. Shaking your head, you and James Burley were in disbelief. Obviously, it was going to be the man, Tati Castellanos, who we talk about international moves. He's a guy that's looking to play in cutter for the Argentinian national side. I think he definitely warrants a bench spot. I know that, you know, you think of that team being potent on attack because of the names that they have. You know, Di Maria, Dybala, Messi, of course. But I think Tati Castellanos could legitimately see himself getting like a bench spot and, you know, maybe coming on in a group stage match where they've already secured the group. That being said, he has been linked to West Ham, but while he remains in the Premier League, he continues to torture MLS sides. He's the leading goal scorer within the MLS, and he also bagged the lone goal in the Hudson River Derby, letting NYCFC get their rightful victory over their baby brother, New York Red Bulls. Nick, you were on site. I watched... I watched, These are outrageous, outrageous statements. <laughs> you were on site. I watched on the TV. You know, Red Bull Arena looked to be jumping, but it didn't matter because, once again, Red Bull's playing second fiddle to, to NYCFC. Walk us through your reaction. You were there with James Burley, James Burley's reaction. Talk us through that game and these, you know, closing minutes we have here. Yeah, we were pretty salty, not going to lie. We were, we were just, after the game ended, it, it we were we were not happy. It was the performance from the Red Bulls really that left a lot to be desired. They need a striker very very badly. You know, Patrick Lamala is their is their number nine, the guy who's supposed to be scoring the goals and 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 creating the goals and leading the press. But you know, in the biggest game of the season, he was left on the bench and he wasn't even the first option off the bench. They brought on Tom Barlow, who. It looks like a giraffe on skates when he's out there. I, I've never seen a more uncoordinated soccer player. I've never seen a player with the worst first touch. I've never seen a guy who I, I – like, I feel like I can go out there and do just as effective a job. Maybe not in leading the press, but, I mean, whenever the ball gets to his feet, it's like it's, – it's, it's hard to watch. So, Klamala doesn't come on until later. I mean, I think the club are, are looking for a striker, and they need one desperately if they want to compete down the stretch in this MLS season because you can't – I mean – Everything else in terms of the way the Red Bulls play and their press and their three-to-back system, it's all well and good, but if you can't score goals, it doesn't really matter that much. It's a similar, similar dynamic to Chelsea, I would say, if, if you want to make a comparison. But in terms of the match, it was, it was pretty even in the first half, and then in the second half, beautiful ball over the top and Castellanos with the finish. I, I, you know, the, the price tag for Castellanos that NYCFC seem to be putting on is like between 15 and 20 million. If, to me, if, you know, I, I love I love all Americans, but if Ricardo Pepe is is that expensive, how how why would you not pay 
a similar fee for Castellanos, a player who's, you know, 10 to 15 times the quality of Ricardo Pepe, at least right now. You know, who knows? Pepe's 19. He's sure he hasn't scored a goal in like eight months, but it doesn't, he could turn it around. But Castellanos is, I think he's really one of the best players this league has seen. He's, he's a very, very good attacker. And he seems to be on to bigger and better things later. But, I mean, in terms of the atmosphere at Red Bull Arena, that was the most full it's been in a while. Still saw on Twitter some people dunking on the attendance, like, hey, look at all these empty seats. I mean, Harris, New Jersey, in my opinion, cannot handle a sold-out Red Bull Arena. It took me forever to get out of the parking garage. I would left an hour and a half after the game ended, and still it took me, like, 45 minutes to get out of the parking garage. It, I mean, it's it's if the Red Bulls start doing a major being a major draw again, at least I mean there'll be a major draw when they play Barca um, on the thirtieth. I think James and I will be there for that one. But it, it's I don't know if the city itself can handle it. But it was nice to see the arena popping like that again. NYCFC do not own the Red Bulls. They don't own anything. They don't. They don't even have their own stadium. How how, how can you? They don't even own any real estate. They're rent free. Rent free, a little bit, a little bit. They are they are homeless though. You're a homeless club that that should never have been allowed in the league in the first place, because <laughs> you don't have a stadium. But you know, besides that, I will say NYCFC were the better side at Red Bull Arena. They are they are a very good side, even without you know Keaton Parks in the midfield. Alfredo Morales did a great job, sort of dictating the play. But the Red Bulls have to improve. They're in Austin this weekend, and then an Open Cup match, the semifinals against Orlando City FC. Keenan, when's your Open Cup semifinal game? We ditched the uh, circus to run with the big dogs and worry about going back-to-back versus, you know, getting bounced in a semifinal of a worthless trophy again. I do have one question, though. I have a question for the the New York Red Bulls fan. How many cups have you guys won? How many MLS cups have you guys won? You see, Michael, it's a really funny question that you asked that. Um, it's a, it's a number that's less than one. Mm. And how well, much I, longer have you been in the MLS than NYCFC? Just a few years. Just a few. Like and, 20. But it, it's – we've won the, two supporter shields. Mm-hmm. Wow. But, but, but who are the reigning champions right now? Uh, uh, I, I don't follow MLS that much, so if you could just answer that NYCFC for me. are the reigning champions. I don't really enjoy being wow. dunked on okay. like this. And, and, and remind me of the standings, Mick. Who, who's ahead of who? Uh, NYCFC are ahead right now. I'm. I'm and, not saying NYCF are not NYCFC are not a great team. They are a great team. I just think it's hard to make claims when you literally are homeless. You don't have a home. Well, on, on this banter, we're going to close today's episode, Nick. We. I prefer- needed some backup. James should have been here. I needed some. Needed some reinforcements. Well, you'll, you can come in the next time, yeah. Yeah, we'll call him in next time to, you know, stand up for what is well and true, which is uh, New York Red Bull soccer, apparently. Boys, it's been fun getting back on the Zoom, even though it was a little shorter today. Still always good to check in, talk all things soccer. As I mentioned, Premier League and the rest of Europe starts a lot sooner than we remember. So come August, got to be ready for early weekend mornings because – Premier League is about to be back. MLS is heating up here and going into the second half of the season. Maybe the Red Bulls can chase down NYCFC or, you know, 
at the very least, stop sniffing their jock because that's how bad they're getting beat by them. Until next time, though, Nick Guzman, Michael Hernandez, and Keenan Troy signing off.